0: up dub nation this is the we believe golden state warriors basketball podcast a sports ethos presentation sam orlick here your host on today's episode we've got a very special guest dubby coming back from dub nation hq we've got a whole bunch of stuff to get into without any further ado let's get right into it hey dubby
1: sam what's up man Glad yeah. to have you
0: back on the show. It's been uh, it's been a while kind of in the uh the weird off season
1: Yeah. Well it's funny. Just, NBA. Yeah, well my busy season at my day job coincides uh with like finals and then the end of the off season stuff. So uh I'm just now like emerging from work hell.
0: From work purgatory. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back. What happened?
1: Yeah, exactly. Same. More of the same. Lots of rumors. So
0: we got some uh, interesting news today. Maybe a sigh of relief for Warriors fans for some and maybe disappointment for others. Kevin Durant is reportedly uh, had a meeting with Brooklyn front office and owners and they've all come to an agreement to work it out and
1: I saw that. Keep it all in Brooklyn. That's fucking hilarious, man. Look, he, he He's under contract. Like, I don't know what he was expecting to happen this offseason, but the Nets, you're not going to get anything for a guy who just signed a contract, and then a year later is like, you know what, actually, I'd like to take this contract to some other team. Right. And by the way, that other team has to keep all of their best players because that's who I want to play with. (laughs) It's (laughs) like, okay. I'll
0: go to Miami if they have Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler.
1: You know what I mean? Like... You got to make that move as a free agent, KD.
0: Right. He literally just signed a four-year max deal. The contract hasn't even gone into effect yet. You're like,
1: I I love. Yeah, and you think another team is going to pillage themselves for that? Like, even for Durant, you can see it's just like buyer fatigue.
0: Yeah, and I mean, teams were lined up. I mean, who wouldn't make offers at the Nets to see if they would, uh, if they would jump on it? It It's just funny to see.
1: Yeah. like Earlier in letters. the week,
0: the Grizzlies said, like, oh, we'd offer four future first-round picks, but not Ja, Jaron, or Desmond Bain. It's like, Come mm-hmm. on, really? Like, any of your valuable pieces are untouchable. But, hey, we'll offer you five future firsts and some role players off the bench.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, man. Like, uh, that's what I'm saying is the value is, is not there for Durant. Uh, you know, people are lining up to buy low. It's like selling a motorcycle on Facebook Marketplace. You get all kinds of crazy offers, but not the good ones that you're hoping for.
0: So, did you have any interest in potentially exploring the KD trade market um, if for for the Warriors?
1: For the Warriors, not really. Uh, you know, I I think that it and and this I know this is a problematic analogy, but I do it a lot in my head, anyways. And I I feel like it's sort of like a like a relationship with a with a spouse or a partner or something like that. Where, look, if it didn't work out the first time, and you decide you want out, and you leave, like that's pretty much it for me. Like I'm not trying to reopen that door again. Like if you want to talk and be cool, like that's fine. But you know, Durant, he I don't know that he necessarily burned some bridges, but he saw the bridge that was there and like turned it around and walked another way. So i I wouldn't have sacrificed really anything. and plus, like, dude, they won, they won the chip. like i I would I would run the team back last year. like I would have overpaid for Gary Payton. Uh, I, you know, blowing it up for Kevin Durant. this point is just not something that i I would be interested in. even yeah. you know, even understanding that it's Kevin Durant, like, sorry, but uh, I think that there's a sort of interpersonal issue here as well as like, He's just kind of a weirdo, man. Like his vibes are weird and, you know, it's just incompatible with the sort of happy go lucky Stephen Curry led clay Thompson shooting shots in the background team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. The, I mean, he's unquestionably one of the better basketball talents, um, you know, in the league now, now in, you know, past and past, present and future. But plagued by, I guess, really kind of himself, right? He's got all these Twitter burner accounts. He's got to engage all these fans and dialogue. Send out cryptic messages.
1: Yeah, um, but he's,
0: he's a ball stopper on offense, which doesn't really work with the Steve Kerr system. I mean, year mm-hmm. one Durant was locked in on defense, and he looked so good. But after that, he, you know, he looked like kind of at times that he wasn't really engaged defensively, and then how many times the ball gets into Durant's hands and the offense just lives or dies with his jumper. And sure, in the playoffs, you need that to an extent, but at what cost you take away a lot of chemistry, you take away a lot of flow. And then, you know, that, I guess that made more sense for an older veteran warriors team, you know, whatever, three, four years ago, but now when you've got all these young pieces and you're trying to teach them the right way to play and you're trying to get them to run Steve Kerr's system, that would just, seem like it would kind of counteract um, any type of improvement or development working on like an offensive flow when you're just going to give the ball to one guy and he's just going to go to work and you basically clear out.
1: Yeah. It's like LeBron's, you know, fit in, don't fit out thing. Like KD just plays KD's game. And, And that was one of the actual causes of static here, right? Is he, he kept delivering some like snide little like side shots about Kerr's offense or, prioritizations uh within the scheme and there was that one game i I can't remember how many assists he had but he like wouldn't shoot and he just went out there and, like facilitated and got a bunch of assists and then he's like see i could do that and it's like dude just do it all the time it was like when draymond was like went for you know 15 points in the playoffs he's like shut up haters it's like no this is this is exactly what people are saying it's like you have this aspect of your game like where is it all the time
0: yeah I do think there's an interesting point to be made, um, and we'll maybe talk about get into more of this later in, in the show. Is if you're Bob Myers and you're Joe Lacob and you're sitting here and you're you know you're on cloud nine, you won the championship, we're getting ready to run it back. Um, you know, obviously a little sad that you didn't get to retain GP two, um, and maybe Otto Porter Jr. This, uh, as well. But if you're sitting here thinking. We're gonna let Wiggins walk, um, or maybe we're gonna let Wiggins and Poole walk in a couple of years for whatever reason because Lakeham decides he wants to be cheap. Maybe there's an argument to be made that you trade Wiggins and package him with some other pieces to get Durant um, if you're not planning to keep those pieces in the future, but yeah, otherwise if that isn't if that isn't the narrative, if that isn't the plan, and hopefully they're trying to keep most of these valuable young pieces who mm-hmm. can potentially be the bridge to the future of the dyna- of the franchise and dynasty, uh, you definitely don't want to bring in Durant because you've got a lot of really intriguing high upside pieces right now. Um,
1: yeah, and I mean, not even high upside, like high current, you know, like Wiggins, and this, this would probably get me roasted on the internet, but Wiggins had a way better playoff performance than Kevin Durant. Durant really struggled against Boston, you know, and they, they played some good defense on him, but a lot of that was his tendencies and shot selection. I thought now, you know, right now though, like looking at what happened and where the league is, I would, I would want Wiggins and pool over whatever Kevin Durant is right now. Personally, like, you know, Wiggins just decided he was going to rebound like a maniac in the playoffs power dunks, you know, like, seriously like vibe changing playoff pivotal power dunks on numerous people uh and the rebound you know Jordan Poole he had some issues uh but you know his offensive playoff numbers are historic like he he had a fantastic offensive year in the playoffs that's the kind of thing that you're trying to develop why would you get rid of the things that you're looking for just to get Durant back yeah and Wiggins
0: did all of that as the fourth option on offense Third, fourth option. So he wasn't even, you know, he didn't even demand the ball, right? He's going to guard the opposing best teams player, rebound at a high clip, and be happy, you know, being third, fourth, highest score, mm-hmm. um, scoring average on the team.
1: Yeah. And, you know, part of it too is like that. And, the and ask really... the coach
0: if he can pick up full court when the uh, series, you know, gets a little <laughs> heated. Like, hey, can I pick up Morant full court and still do everything else I'm doing? Sure thing, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's good. I mean, these are the sort of, you know, and this is why I don't think they're going to do it either, too, is these are the sort of bridges to the future that Lakab has been talking about. Wiggins is younger than the core. You know, Poole is a classic young guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, Wiggins is uh, just turned 27. So you're looking at six years younger than Durant. Poole in his third, you know, just completed his third season. First real playoff experience went gangbusters against Denver, and then kind of had a adjustment period figuring out offensively what he can do when teams kind of scouted him a little bit more, which I think is really important for his growth and development. I think as a player, if it's just easy street for you all the time, once you meet some adversity for the first time, you know right. that's when you improve. When you struggle that's when you learn where your weaknesses are and what you need to work on and then that's how you become a better overall player so right yeah think- if
1: everything if everything is working great there's no there's no reason for you to work on stuff you know just generally get better but you start to see some specific things that were roadblocks to your success and you've got a pretty good prescription for the offseason to work on with your trainer
0: right yeah and for Jordan Poole, defense is going to be a big one of those things but I think offensively he's uh, shown that he's really more than capable of really doing anything that he would like him to do on offense
1: yeah and that's going to be the question actually if we retain these guys you know like i wiggins you know and, and this is part of it too is that the timing is a little bit problematic the warriors i think are really banking on the salary cap jumping but right. you know a, a guy like wiggins maybe he'll take a minor discount but like pool is going to get overpaid by somebody like Orlando or Sacramento, somebody who wants a scoring guard to pair with somebody, you know, the Hornets, I don't know who these guys are, but that's, that's the biggest risk I see to, to breaking up what is in hand right now is uh, someone's assuming pool has another year and postseason like he just had, someone's going to be real hungry for Jordan Pool's services.
0: Right. And, and, it would be a great service to the Warriors if Wiggins wouldn't be willing to accept a discount. But you look at what he just did this past season you know, all star starter for the first time, um, the playoff performance he put up, the improvement on his three point shooting, arguably one of the better defensive players throughout the postseason. I mean, in mm-hmm. any, on any other team, those are all checks for a raise not a not a pay cut for a guy that's 27 sure he just came off of a pretty lucrative max deal you know being a number one pick so you know his bank his bank is nice at the moment but
1: right um, but you know, socio like him so, you know like that doesn't that's it <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sway anybody <laughs> so um, yeah i mean
0: because i think you know if you're like him, you're like well Kaminga's the future forward this franchise but you know i think kaminga has got a ways to go before being anywhere close to what wiggins is already today and you know you take andrew wiggins off of this team there's no way that the warriors make any kind of noise that they made in the postseason like they did this past season wiggins was was the second most important player on the roster um after steph curry for this last postseason run
1: arguably Arguably, uh, I would I would probably put Draymond as the second most important because when he was bad, the Warriors weren't winning. When when Draymond Green had a bad game, or when it looked like teams had solved Draymond Green, it was like, you know, the highest DEFCON. I don't know if that's one or four or whatever, but fan base is freaking out. Wiggins Wiggins can have a bad game, you know, but and that's the other thing his his floor is a lot different than someone like like. Draymond Green having a bad game where his defense is off and, you know, his, his offense is generally not super productive uh, from a box score standpoint, but Wigan, you know, Wigan's bad game. He's still going to give you, you know, 12 points instead of 16 points or whatever it is. Like he, he doesn't vanish as much, but I uh, I really think that Wiggins rebounding and defense uh, combined with those dunks, like, he's beyond reproach in my book now and i was super skeptical about him when he first came out i was i was not a huge believer in wiggins and you know still to this day the most popular uh, article on our website is daniel hardy bashing me about being wrong about uh, andrew wiggins you know we'll, <laughs> we'll never win anything with andrew wiggins well the you know the truth is that they don't they realize i think the warriors did that they don't need a Stephen Curry anymore. Like Curry's shoulders are strong enough to carry the entire show. He just needs people that are able to do stuff if he's getting contained or having an off night or he's out. That doesn't necessarily need to be a primary option in the system though.
0: Yeah, very true. But so uh, so if you so what are you thinking the Warriors might do? You know, you know. Obviously, I think we're in agreement that they'd love to see the cap jump up. Um, but you got it. You, you know, I think we're I think we're kind of in agreement that Pool's going to get, you know, probably something around a four year, hundred million offer, in, if the Warriors let him go to restricted free agency, um, and Wiggins probably more, a little bit more than that something in the range of of 30 plus if he's not willing to take a pay cut at least
1: yeah i mean market would kind of dictate wiggins is in his prime um so i i don't know i don't know how concerned about it i am but i i do have a prediction that it's not going to get resolved this season like i i do think that jordan pool will go to the market because it just doesn't make sense for him to take any sort of discount why would you do like it just doesn't make sense to me that either one of those players would take a, a discount just to be sure that there was some like non-disturbed uh contracts you know what i mean so that the, oh i want to be sure and lock this up now it's like both these guys are are really good basketball players and both should deserve a large contract so uh i don't know how much pull it has when you know, a lot of teams looking at the dynasty roller, like they'll they'll point to Manu Ginobili or Tim Duncan taking discounts, and like modern NBA players just don't care. Like it's not, you know, maybe at the end of their career. You know, like even KD when he's taking discounts, it was like, you know, two million dollars a year off his forty-two million dollar contract or whatever. It's it's not a big, you know, it's not a big discount.
0: All right. And what about a uh... Draymond Green asking for an extension
1: as well. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was a classic uh, internet freakout too, because he's not asking for a max contract. He wants the maximum allowable raise on his already discounted contract. That one I think is a little more tenuous to me. Like, But the Warriors can't have it both ways. They've been really brutal around the edges of this roster. You know, Gary Payton is the most recent example where it's like, you know, look, they they another team offered him four million dollars per year, and we're just not going to match that. It's like, you know, ten million dollars more over the course of of the three seasons or whatever it is. So the Warriors are tell you now that that's a big difference because we, you know, we've already got our core and that's our focus and blah blah blah. Well, that's cool and all, but then if you let any aspect of the core walk, like Draymond or uh, Wiggins. Who is you know arguably a, a member of the core now because of his age and his role and his production? Now, if you're Joe Lakeham and you let those guys walk now, then you know the usual suspects are going to be very loud and pointing out that you know Lakeham said that he he was cutting all these other guys because it was all about the core, and now he's cutting the core. Like this is just another billionaire popper story where you know the the team is is cutting. Nickels and dimes, tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars because their pockets are so big. But you know, letting letting talent walk for salary reasons is a real bad look. And it's a bad look for a lot of reasons. But one of those reasons is because it hurts the team. Like these are these are assets. These are, you know, you every year in the draft, you're taking stabs. You're trying to get better. You're trying to get teams that are better. You're trying to get players who fit the system. So when you release a guy like that without getting anything back, it it's detrimental to the advancement. And I think that that's what the warriors are really care about right now. And, you know, as a fan, I've, I'm, I'm perfectly satisfied right now. Like I didn't think we would get the first championship ring <laughs> in my lifetime. And then to have it all crumble and fall apart. And I'm like, I'm cool with, with what we had. And then boy, here comes the fourth with a rebuilt team that looks like it could contend for a few more years. Like, I'm I'm in way or heaven. Like I slow. I am yeah, but I'm aware of it. You know what I mean? Like I I'm not going to lose my shit if the team falls apart or if they don't actually get another ring in Steph Curry's career. Now, I I don't think that's likely. I think Curry is good enough to win another ring. I think the team wants to support him, get the team around him to do that. And people are honest with Luka, uh, you know, if if uh buyers Is like, look seriously, Joe. Like the bridge to the future sucks. Like, you know, Kaminga is not ready to play. Wiseman, unknown commodity. Maybe he has a great year. Maybe he doesn't. You you can't just let known pillars walk away because you think that you have something better in your pocket. You know, it's like the bird in the hand thing. Like the the future is bright for sure, but it's also constantly evolving. So I don't think that. It's the time to toy around with the established players, especially in the core. You know, Draymond Green. I think you have to bring him back.
0: Yeah, and he's the he's the key to all of this, right? I mean, Kevon Looney proved really that he is. could step he could step in when Green struggled, uh, which is really a testament to Kevon and and who he grew into as a player. Mm-hmm. What he was what he was able to showcase by by maintaining his health throughout an entire season, which was truly special. I mean. Um, Through the postseason, a few games here and there, especially in the Celtics series in the finals where Green just really had nothing going and that crucial decision to bench Green and play Looney and and Looney just really thrived and that was Mm -hmm. special to see. But I think that's something you use as like an ace in a hole over the course of the season when you need to win regular season games. I mean, Draymond Green's your guy. Kevon Looney's not going to orchestrate the offense from the top of the key now Looney can step in for five minutes and anchor the defense like green does and not be you know and and be able to rebound at a high level but um green does so many things that really drives the entire curse system on both sides and if you don't retain green you're really starting over with everything yeah
1: and you know a lot of people i think are coming to the realization you know everyone talked about the splash brothers so much but really the the core like punchiness of this team is the steph curry and draymond green pairing uh at least in recent history so uh you know and i understand why people are reluctant to pay him a lot of money like his body is (laughs) declining a lot you know he had that one uh, that shoulder injury after his one good shooting year from three point percentage and like boy that one year now looks like a super outlier and if, if Draymond Green can't consistently shoot from outside like it is a problem it's beyond like a concern like it becomes a problem and yeah they figured out ways to work about it you know like the the fake handoff with the cut uh you know the 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 screen Uh, extra high so that you know it it happens before the defense can sort of preset themselves there's there's ways to work around it but you know it's not the tony allen treatment but it's beyond deniability now that draymond green's limited offensive game can be a significant detriment to the team at times and that's that's not going to get better
0: Yep. yeah Yep, and then that's where Poole's importance comes in. So you've got the third the third scoring guard off the bench. You can run the Curry, Thompson, Poole, Wiggins, Green lineup and have four, four good three-point shooters, and, and you put the ball in Draymond Green's hands to orchestrate the offense. I think that's the biggest thing when you're looking at um, sustained postseason success. You look at all these star players that we face, John Morant, Luca, Jason Tatum, they all have the ball in the hands. So over time against a good defense, you get worn down. Um, the defense starts to take things away, force you into your non-comfortable uh, sets and positions, and you become less efficient on offense. Well, when you're off the ball, none of that really applies. And so that's really been the key for the Warriors and especially on offense is you put the ball on Draymond's hands, you have your best offensive players off the ball. What do you do now as a defense? Because the ball is not Curry's hands.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and there's been a real, like uh, like a, a sort of call and response, right. Where a strategy develops and then there's a counter and then, you know, the Warriors have to counter the counter. So I, I think that this year, they clearly identified it as a problem. And we saw a lot more of Draymond Green faking the screen and then rolling really quickly uh, and Looney doing the same thing. But the, the truth is that there's, there's a limited number of non shooters that you can have on a modern NBA court. And because Draymond Green and Kayvon Looney are so integral, it puts a lot of pressure on the other positions to be a shooter, you know? And, and I think that that's one of the reasons that it worked last year. And that's, I think why they brought in auto Porter is like, do some stretch five things. You don't need to be a stretch five, but just pretend like you are every now and then to help, right. you know, to help break it up.
0: So nice little segue here talking about auto Porter. Um, and the loss of GP2. What are your thoughts on uh, Jermichael Green and Dante DiVincenzo?
1: Eh. I mean, I don't know. No, I don't want to say eh. I, I think that they're both, you know, this they're both great examples of the new Warriors uh, brain trust approach to building the team, right? They, they are willing to bet that you can put some players that have demonstrated their ability to play well, even if it's not, sustainable or something that's like happening recently even you put them in the you put a player who knows how to play in the system and there's opportunities for them and part of the rationale here and it's brutal is that none of those side guys matter like and this is what i was getting lit up for when we traded for andrew wiggins is like you know how are you going to replace kevin durant and the truth is that outside of the core 3 Curry, Thompson, and uh Green, everybody else is, is pretty much replaceable. You know, maybe that goes to our top eight players. You know, if you want to include Poole and Looney in there, um I wouldn't I wouldn't freak out about that. But the the edge players should be okay here. Uh I like De I really liked him when he was on the Bucks, and then he got hurt. I think maybe his knee. His knee, he got hurt and had some bad years, but one of those years was in Sacramento. And, like, I'm not mad about people not being able to play well in Sacramento Kings. Like, that franchise is cursed.
0: Well, he uh, did talk a little bit about that his um, frustrations in playing with the Kings because, yeah, he had the major injury. He basically missed a season. He came back, missed half the season. And then, when he was healthy and ready to play for the Kings, And was ramping up is when the Kings were uh, decided to play for um, ping pong balls. And so Mm -hmm. they did really everything in their control to not make him be a featured part of the offense um, when they were like had Fox and uh, Savonis basically the same. So I think I, I kind of take that stint in Sacramento with a grain of salt. But yeah, I'm with you as far as the Milwaukee version of DiVincenzo um he's athletic for a guard he's a much better ball handler and facilitator on offense than gp2 was better outside shooter definitely nowhere near the same level um athletically as gp2 and defensively but um you know he's a guy that could guard one through three and um hold his own you know he's not gonna yeah. switch on jokic yeah <laughs> and defend jokic or block him at the rim for a stint um but you know when you're kind of scrambling to replace pieces i think that was a pretty decent um option to go with over nothing
1: yeah so that's i i agree man like i i i think that it's going to work out but it's it's a little tough because i really like gary payne like a lot of warriors fans and i thought that he was worth hanging on to even as a Non critical aspect of a, you know, a non core player component. He was just really good here uh, in a lot of ways, and he filled a lot of the holes, you know, and the Warriors have this sort of unstable equilibrium where, just like Curry and Green, you know, they sort of yin and yang each other. They, they fit in ways that don't necessarily seem congruent, but it fills up the gaps in each other's games really well. Gary Payton, I thought, was fine. Like, we finally got the defensive point of attack, point guard guy who could hit shots and, you know, the, the way that they were playing him in that five role without having him be a five, I thought was brilliant, and it worked. Like, Gary Payton's on-off numbers and his impact metrics, like, he was effective here. So, I don't want to pretend like it's not going to matter that you placed him with with DiVincenzo, but, you know, even if DiVincenzo like, hits the ceiling, like, if he's if he's back to that sort of primary shot taker role again off the bench, that'd be great. But I still think that we're going to miss what Gary Payton meant to this team, you know, just the dog in it. Like his, his defense was hungry, right? He, he really like prided himself on that. And and this is probably a good transition into talking about your Michael Green who most of us know from being a Rockets player that faced off against us in those hardened years, uh, where he was sort of like a very, very good defensive player with some limitations. And I, I think that they're planning on using him as their primary bench uh, point of attack defender. Uh, and it's going to be like the Baysmore question, though. is like, how much other crazy stuff are you going to do? Like, can we keep this guy on the court?
0: Michael Green is going to play more like the four or five though.
1: Is, is he?
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's the he he was uh, drafted by the Grizzlies and then he had oh, a stint. He had a, stint he had a stint with Denver.
1: Oh, this is the wrong guy. I was thinking of the wrong guy. Like I was um, saying. No, and I he also played back.
0: for the Clip and he also played for the Clippers. So he's more he's more of like an Otto Porter junior replacement. Um he played in michigan with draymond so he's got some familiarity there um the question mark for him is last year with denver he had a big regression shooting from three so denver decided to uh, to walk from him because he was shooting like i think sub 30 percent but he has three four five seasons where he's like shooting 35 to 40 percent from three so the warriors you know he's going to be kind of like a Space out three point shooter, kind of like a tweener, undersized five at times, but pretty solid four. Um, big bruiser type guy, but also has that dog in him kind of mentality, just more as a forward spot than a than a guard. But I think I think they're looking at the point of attack defender at least from watching summer league. It's either going to be Weatherspoon and Moody, both Ooh, of those I guys. They were. Um, they they had Weatherspoon defending full court in summer league, so he's currently on a two way. But it you know if Andre Iguodala decides to retire, which still question marks. I mean the Warriors are going to give him time to make that decision. Uh, Weatherspoon could be eligible to get you know a minimum minimum salary contract to move into that 14th spot, um, bump him up from the two way. Uh, And then Moody too. We didn't get to see a ton of Moody in summer league. He he played a bunch of California Classic games, and he kind of got banged up. And then I think he just played one game in summer league. But uh, Moody too, they had them hounding the ball. Um, You know, again, you know, I agree with you. Nobody's going to replace Gary Payton II. He really embodied that underdog mentality of, of kind of the, we believe warriors era. He just brought so much energy and athleticism and excitement when he came off the bench or when he came into the game. Um, and that's going to be truly missed. And so I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm sad to see that go. I think there was maybe some question marks about offering him a three year deal. Um, you know, warriors offered him a two years, 6 million or so a year and, and uh, you know, keeping him under contract till he's 34 I don't know. You know, I don't know if he ends up being as effective as he was with the Warriors this past season, three years from now. Maybe there's question marks about him taking away opportunity from um, development of Moses Moody, um, playing in that guard role. So, you know, I, I'm with you. I think I was really surprised to see him walk away um, to Portland. But We'll see. You know, I think that the Warriors right now, looking at their roster have a lot more options offensively than they did last year, at least last year in the regular season, it seemed like there were a lot of games where, you know, we are going to beat the other team by being a better defensive team. And looking at the roster this season, I think there's a lot more options offensively. And I think we're going to be a more efficient offensive team and you know, we'll see where the defense is at with these new pieces, um, how good James Wiseman is anchoring the second unit, so on and so forth. But I do think that there's more options. You've got DiVincenzo, um, the growth of Moody, the growth of Poole. Um, we'll see what what this what this group is able to do. But I think we're going to be outscoring teams more so than relying on our defense to win games, at least regular season. Come playoff time, you know, Kerr is a defensive first team, so definitely need to to bring the defense for the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I think that it's it's one of those things where look, if you have the main portion of your team sort of booked, like it, let's you you've got the the backbones of your story written. Some of these side characters are are interesting and will certainly matter, but it's hard for me to get super engaged in the, you know who's the tenth or eleventh person on the roster, because I know that when it matters, like, you know, the playoffs, it's, the rotation is going to get cut down, and it's really going to come down to like, are Curry and Clay and Green playing good?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. But I think, but I think the the deeper the team is, and the better your guys like uh seven through ten are, the more likely mm-hmm. you are to be like a sixty-plus win team and be you know floating around the first the top three seeds in the west than um maybe like a mid tier playoff team because there are going to be games you know i'm expecting there are going to be games where clay thompson rests there are going to be games where draymond rests you know curry rests um Mm -hmm. and so
1: hmm? or or is hurt
0: or is hurt right and so yeah Moses Moody's going to step in and get some starts. You know, you think Kaminga too, Jordan Poole as well, you know, Kavon Looney after playing, you know, 105 games, you think he's probably going to get some nights off. Um, So there's going to be opportunity here and you want to take advantage. You want to win games. I mean, that was one of the reasons why the Warriors were so successful last season, even when they struggled mightily in the second half of the season when Draymond was out when Curry was out um because they want all those games to to kick to kick things off
1: yeah and it's it's gonna be good man i i think that the warriors did a lot of growing up last year uh and you know i i know that i'm satisfied and I, i think there is probably some element of that with the warriors too like you know Draymond Green and Curry have just had a fuck y'all summer where it's like every (laughs) chance they get it's like you know see we told you and I think they're going to want to come back and do it again like I I really think that now that they saw oh sorry now that they saw how not simple or easy but uh, how how attainable uh, success at the very top of the echelon is still For them, they're they're not done, man. They're going to come out. And, you know, these Curry has always said, even when he was like a rookie that couldn't get off the bench behind, uh, God, what's Marcus? No, what's Monte Monte Ellis? Yeah. Monte Ellis or AC Law. Um, Curry was always like, when I'm done, I want to be in the conversations with one of the greatest players ever. And, you know, Shaq has been talking about it. A lot of people talk about it. Like, rings matter. As much as you want to say they don't or that it's too oversimplified, which is true. But at the end of the day, for the historical conversations, which is what Curry and Green and Thompson are playing for now, uh, those rings really matter. So, you know, don't expect to come to see the Warriors come out soft and complacent. Like, I, I think there will be some growing pains with the roster moves they've made around the edges, but the Warriors squad. And specifically their core leadership, you know, they're they're going to come back with like, there's no reason we can't do that again this year, guys.
0: Yeah, and we haven't even talked about the elephant in the room, and that's Clay Thompson. I mean, guy playing in his first season, coming back after the double injury, all that time off, and what can we expect from clay in, in his first full roster. off season and rehab and getting back to being actually a net positive player. Cause you and I talked about this, this, this past season, you know, talking about, Oh, it's so great to have clay back, but uh, a couple games here is not really helping. Us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, jacking up 20 shots, not really
1: doing such <laughs> yeah, a great job
0: defensively.
1: Some turnovers to where, <laughs> to, to where people are really saying like, we got a bench play and it's like, right. you know, I even had to write a couple articles of like, yes you know there's an argument to be made for benching clay sure and here's the numbers and yeah that's bad but you're not going to bench clay thompson like (laughs) it's clay thompson you know and and i think he showed that in the playoffs too he had some games where it was like man this guy does not have his wheels anymore but he still came up huge you know and i i think that him having another year off and you know i i hurt my knee I, i tore my meniscus uh to, in a rebound so uncontent, you know non-physical no physical contact rebound pop my meniscus and that was it for me and i have played basketball in an organized fashion sense oh man but from what i hear that second year is really where your body starts to feel like it's old self again and right. i think clay like you know it's not even an opinion it's just facts like after that much time and that much physical trauma like you're body and your mind aren't ready you know it's like your your brain is like don't put that much weight on that knee that just failed because like remember it just failed so and and it feels weird on the inside you know so I, I think that that time is going to help him a lot but you know I, if he's going to be better this year I assume but already we saw last season you know if, if that's as bad as he gets like you don't bench that guy Clay Thompson is still super valuable
0: Right, and I think we started to see it um, the second half of the Boston series in the finals. He really started to uh, show up defensively, shutting down Jalen Brown, um, hitting big shots. So, you know, all the more reason to be optimistic about this team and and their chances at running it back. I don't feel like a lot of other teams really improve significantly. I think, you know, obviously the Los Angeles Clippers um, – yeah look pretty good, but you know, they got to be healthy. They've got, I think they have too many, too many good players on that team. So I think (laughs) think it's going to be an issue managing rotations. Um, And obviously Kawhi Leonard and Paul George need to be healthy. Um, You got the Denver nuggets, Jamal Murray coming back, but kind of similar. We just talked about Clay Thompson and everything he went through. I wouldn't necessarily expect big things from Jamal Murray, you know, having gone through so much time off, um, trying to rehab and get back. Uh, so I think, you know, I think the window is open for the Warriors to run it back, at least as we're, you know, before the season started, kind of looking at at perspective matchups. Um, you know, sure, Boston got a little bit better, but um, I think, like you said earlier, Steph, Clay, Draymond, and then lump in, you know, Wiggins, Looney, and Jordan Poole to that kind of core. And I think those six are good enough to beat any other six on any other team right now in
1: the NBA. Yeah, and then... Take my chances. Right, and you take, take your chances on a guy like Moody turning into a rotation player. Like, he looked really good. Like, really astute. And uh he's got the body to keep improving. You know, there... Even right uh,
0: Steph Curry not shooting the worst that he's ever shot, you know, right. wise yeah, s- so, since being a rookie.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it was all around those historic rec- records that he's now just smashed. There's no... There's probably some points milestones coming up, but nothing related to three-point shooting because it was clearly in his head, man.
0: Yeah, it's taking like 15 plus threes a night. Poor guy.
1: Well, and somebody had it. I, I don't know if it was Joe Vare or or somebody else, but somebody had the sort of film breakdown uh, of like, dude, look at these crazy clips of like Steph Curry, like not knowing how to shoot a three-pointer. You know, he's like shuffling his feet and like doing some sort of uncertain moves with his hands. It was way out of character. Oh, that was all I was gonna say. Are you still there?
0: Yeah, I'm still here.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. That's all I was gonna say. Is that you know he around the around the shooting record specifically? Curry looked like he sort of got in his own head a little bit, and now that that shooting record's out of the way, I I think it's pretty safe to assume. Yeah.
0: So there's just a lot of you know it's like kind of scary. The Warriors win, and yet here are these little asterisks of things that they were working through that they weren't even really the best versions of themselves. Um, When you're looking at their stars, Curry and Thompson, um, you know, Draymond Green disappearing at times as well. So a lot of things to be excited about. I think, you know, one thing we haven't, we talked about a little bit, but not really getting into is uh, James Wiseman and um, what he can do for this team now in year three, finally getting... Uh, a summer league and off season and training camp to prepare him for what should be his first full healthy season
1: as a warrior. Did he? But he did he play every summer league game.
0: He did. Yeah, he played in all four. Um, he had a very exciting debut. Um, it was like first play of the game. Kaminga throws him an alley-oop dunk. Then he comes back on defense the other way and blocks a shot. He actually got the block and tried to take it coast-to-coast and turned it over, but then they got the ball back, and then he hit a trailing three-pointer at the top of the key. So just quintessential showing off James Wiseman's potential of what he can do, you know, above the rim dunker, Rim, rim protector on the other end, but can also hit the three. Um, he looked a lot more confident. That's my biggest takeaway. I think, you know, James Wiseman as a rookie in his first few games, I think Warriors fans were drooling because he just, there were times where in that like first handful of games he played, Wiseman looked like our best option on offense. Um, I don't really remember the specifics of what else was going on. If Draymond Green was out, um, but Curry could really get it going. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think Green had missed some time to start the season, so Curry mm-hmm. was really struggling. And, like, Wiseman shooting threes was, like, our best, our, like, most efficient plays on offense. Um, <laughs> and, then, yeah, and then and um, then, as he played more and got exposed because he had no sense for timing on defense and was just getting you know, relentlessly beaten the pick and roll. He started, you can see that his confidence was waning. The shot looked rushed and everything else kind of, you know, unwrapped slowly unraveled at that point, but he looked to, to regain his confidence. He bulked up. He looked a lot stronger. Yeah. He wasn't, um, you know, he wasn't necessarily as assertive on the boards or the glass um, as you'd maybe like to see, but he was definitely trying to make an effort in the few games where he didn't get a lot of rebounds. He, he, made comments about it after the game that it's something he needs to work on. He knows he needs to rebound. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think at a minimum put him in kind of the Javel McGee spot. He's going to play off the bench behind Kavon Looney. Mm -hmm. He's going to have some opportunity to get some easy dunks, um, maybe some open threes and pick and pop. Um, I don't care so much about the rim protection right now as much as, Don't commit a bunch of stupid fouls and just don't get beat. Just keep your guy in front. Just put your arms up verticality. Um, And I think that just gives us a huge presence having an above-the-rim player on this team because that was really one of our limitations against Boston is um, we didn't have somebody like um, uh, Robert Williams. Uh, or Derek white right who's just above the rim super athletic sending way shots and so getting somebody like that who can also be a force and presence on offense uh would be a huge boost for this team you know he could be like a 15 minute a night kind of guy but have 10 points and five boards and two blocks and just be you know a stat Mm -hmm. stuffing machine in a one minute
1: role I'm not I'm not out on Wiseman, man. I, I still think he could turn into something really good, but his body's gotta hold up. You know, this is this is pretty much the make or break year for him because I think after this year he his contract is it's like the option year, right? Or this is his option year. But that's a, it's a lot of money to play some guy, to pay somebody. And just because you took him as a high draft pick. You know, everybody on the team looks at the salary chart. Like Draymond Green knows that if you're if you're trying to shave money off his contract, it's probably because Wiseman's making so much. Like, you know, yeah. there, there's there's some internal dynamics involved with Wiseman's trajectory as a player that are really going to come to a head this year. So I, I'm I'm interested to see, and I I think he'll be good. I think that Wiseman is going to come back. And again, like, sure, if he if he can't stay healthy, like, what are you going to do? But I I think that if it's finally everything lines up because in my opinion, Weissman was playing great both times before he got injured. Remember, he he hurt his wrist first and then did the knee. Right. But both times, like he was fantastic. He, like he was putting in some really good minutes there at the end and then would get hurt and they would come back and it looked a little rough. Um, But I, I think that Wiseman, would you to earlier when you said elephant in the room was Clay Thompson. I, I thought you were gonna say James Wiseman because <laughs> <laughs> the Warriors are clearly banking on him turning into something. And it's not it's not just about the roster uh, and the salary. They like you're saying, you know, as, as part of their ongoing youth movement, the Warriors really have identified the fact that they're getting out athletic by these younger teams now. And, you know, especially with Draymond, like it's not it's not improving. Like you're gonna coast across the finish line like this, and like, you know, you can only go vegan and change your diet so many times. like there's just <laughs> there's a limit here. and i and I think that they the Warriors as a franchise that's hoping to transition into some next phase they're they're banking on Weisman turning into a a player that could stay on the court and yeah, like I just you're saying. Kinda-
0: I just felt yeah. like um, Clay Thompson would have more of an impact next season in the playoffs mm-hmm. than James Wiseman would. So I think, you know, he needs to stay healthy. He needs to show improvement and kind of like Kaminga, even though Kaminga had that stretch of 20 games in the regular season where he just looked so good and so consistent um, and such a big piece for the second unit and then kind of disappeared in the playoffs. I think, you know, we, even if James Wiseman does everything right throughout the regular season, the playoffs is a different story. And he could find himself kind of played off the floor at times or just kind of be a situational five minutes a game um, come playoff time. So that's why I was just thinking Clay Thompson a little bit um, Mm. more important uh, come come playoff time. But I think regular season, 100%. We need Wiseman. Uh, It's going to be brutal to go another, another full season with Looney and Draymond. And I guess Jermichael Green is your only
1: options at the five. Yeah, but you know, and the Warriors like they're they're comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. You know, they they'll do the sort of like run us off the court on your end, and we'll do the same on our end, and let's just see how it shakes out. And the, the, historically, they've they've come out on the rosy side of that. You know, go ahead and and bring Jokic, like this player that nobody could cover. Bring Luka Doncic. You know who's going to cover Luka? the The Warriors have enough. Uh, firepower to blast through teams that have structural advantages. That's a, that's a big deal, uh, and it's it's not going to change next season because, like you were saying, like sure, maybe some teams got a little bit better, but there's no super team assembled right now. Yeah. Um, and you know, as much as LeBron would like to make that happen, I think his his days of magically attracting all the top tier free agents to his destination are are well past him now, and. You know, he's getting into that late stage Kobe career where, you know, this guy's overpaid, you know, like he's really good. But there's also a lot of nights where he's not going to help your team win as much as you would expect.
0: Yeah, definitely. For LeBron, I think he's a little bit more of uh, one side of the floor at this point in his career.
1: And, you know, he's still one of the best players. And, like, you know, the guy could play basketball professionally for t- another decade. But the, the, the right. he's idea... Not gonna, he's not
0: going to carry you in the playoffs like he did before for play 45 minutes and get a triple yeah. and, well, and be the best I, defensive player and still do he, More
1: so, my my point was that the idea that players are going to take pay cuts or end their current situation just for the opportunity of playing with Broad is gone.
0: Yeah,
1: you yeah know, that he, ship
0: sailed last
1: last season. <laughs> yeah, when you bring it in Westbrook, it's like, okay, this is it's like, and this is what I'm saying about the Clippers with John Wall. It's like, I, you know, maybe he's still good, but like, ugh, you know, there's a lot of mileage on those knees and some defensive breakdowns. Uh, you know, it's just, it's not a top tier player like it used to be. That's coming along to play with LeBron, and you know, I think Anthony Davis had a tough year, and there's. Maybe some flaws overall in his game that were exposed uh, over the past couple seasons. But, you know, those guys are still pretty good. But superstars pairing with other superstars is, a, is you know, and, and this is what Kevin Durant just showed us with the Nets. Like, it's not that simple, guys.
0: Right. Well, sucks when you trade away your valuable pieces in Jared Allen and Karis Levert because you want to play with DeAndre Jordan. You then trade away because he's washed out.
1: Yeah, no, well, that was all the Harden trade, right? Uh, They should have just stuck with uh, KD and Kyrie and, like, most of the squad that was already there. Right, yeah. Yep. Ah, What are you doing?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Poor Brooklyn fans.
1: Yeah, well, fuck them. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) It, It does suck, man, because, it, you know, I remember when when Durant came here. I remember when when even uh, Boogie Cousins showed up that one offseason. It was like, oh damn, like this is a historical roster. And then they backed it up, you know. And the same thing with with the Heatles. Like they didn't do the hand counting four, five, six thing, but like, boy, that was a really good team. Now I, you, I think have lived in a world where these super teams show up. Every couple of years, and it's like, whoa, how are we gonna beat them? And uh now it's at least right now, in this upcoming year, it's not that anymore. I think people are back to like, well, someone's gotta beat the Warriors, which is cool for me.
0: Yeah. Well, we also see we also see that it's not as simple as, you know, get two, three, four superstars or a couple or a couple present superstars and a couple stars who are past their prime, and you throw them on a team together, and that's good. You got to have some really good role players. You got to be able to defend. You got to have guys who can shoot. You've got to you got to have guys that are comfortable coming off the bench and not getting to play a lot some nights. And that takes chemistry. It takes a good locker room, a good coaching staff. Everybody has to buy into the organization. It takes transparency, um, and people in the world today. They can kind of suck at times, so it's not it's not as simple as grab the best basketball players and you're good. Um, you've got you've got crazy people out there. You've got players that are in their own head, and um, you've got guys that want to opt out after they get traded, and they think it's all rosy and and sunny on the other side of the street, and you get over there, and ten minutes later they want to go somewhere else. So um, I think it all just kind of you know, explains why it's so hard to beat the Warriors because they've drafted and built this team up. Um, they've got all of that chemistry and, and transparency and communication throughout the organization. And, um, you know, other teams are trying to replicate that, but it's easier said than done to find uh, to find the right personnel.
1: Exactly. And, you know, it, it's, it's personnel, timing, supporting cast, uh, opposition, you know, there's there's a lot that goes into it. But the I, I think the idea it was so alluring, right? Like after LeBron did his his, you know, he hopped, left Cleveland, waited for them to rebuild and then hopped back, did it again with them. And it was like, wow, you know, and then we got Kevin Durant. And it was like, whoa, super teams. That's that's the answer. And now I, I think people are realizing like you can't just assemble top tier talent and be like, oh championships. I mean, you you can, but it doesn't always work out like that. Yeah, right.
0: So um, last thing I wanted to kind of talk about, I'm not sure if you get a chance to uh, dig into these guys at all, are the new rookies, Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Ryan Rawlings, who are on the roster uh, Gui Santos, who's kind of a drafted stash, but he did get yeah. to play in Summer League. Uh, Lester Quinones, who was undrafted and he's on a two-way. Uh, Mac McClung, who made uh, the Exhibit mm-hmm. 9 training camp deal. Um, Weatherspoon, who we already talked about and he's like his fourth year on a two-way, so he's not he's not really a rookie. So, yeah. Kind of interesting. We got all these young players at the back end of our bench. Um, none of whom other than Lester Quinonez and Weatherspoon and, and McClung, you know, we really got to see play. Um, but you can see kind of in the direction the team is going with a lot of, uh, a lot of youth, a lot of ball handling. Rawlings and McClung are both, um, are both, you know, guys who are going to have the ball in their hands. Uh, Lester Quinonez was supposed to be one of the better shooters in the draft. Um Patrick Baldwin Jr. kind of projects to be like a Kavon Looney, um, like a guy who was coming out of high school projected to be a lottery pick, but then injuries kind of pushed him back to a late first round. But um, a lot of, a lot of intrigue here with these guys.
1: Yeah. I, you know, the the short answer is I'm not really that familiar. I mean, Jesus Christ! I thought I would confused JerMichael Green for somebody else. And so, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when they were drafted, I looked at it. But you know, these the Warriors are, are bargain shopping at this point for those last couple roster spots. Like, you know they they got their big new uh, draft lottery acquisitions. the The salaries are maxed out, beyond maxed out. So all you got left is is bargain bin players you're just hoping one of them hits. And the Warriors historically have been really good at that. Uh, you know, it's not 100%. Jacob Evans, um, you know, God, poor Patrick McCaw. Uh, I don't know what happened to that guy. But otherwise, like, they've found some real value. He's in, on Team
0: USA, I think, in the training camp.
1: Nice. Nice. Well, you know, he should, he's a champion. He's a champion. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see them play. I I think that uh, there there's going to be minutes for all those guys to, to show if they can belong in the NBA or not. And, you know, they you don't need these guys for 15 minutes a night. You know, a five-minute stint on, you know, nights of need is probably the ceiling for what these guys are going to be asked to do.
0: Yeah. you, you got to think they're going to be balling in Santa Cruz and, and just kind of yeah. learning, learning the system. Um, yeah, maybe maybe there's a like night that. where there's the entire the entire starting lineup sits because it's the second night of the back-to-back and we're on the road mm-hmm. COVID and, yeah co- yeah health and safety protocols um, yeah I think you know Weatherspoon obviously most familiar of that group been playing in Santa Cruz for a few years I- I'd love to mm. see him get that 14th spot if uh, assuming Iggy Um, doesn't come back. Although I I would really like to see Iguodala come back for another season, even if he doesn't play that much. I think it's evident that he is one of the few players who can sit there on the bench and kind of be the middleman between Curry and Green. Um, Because those guys are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum as far as personality wise. Um, And I think Iguodala is kind of that one of the few players who just kind of has universal respect around the league. And I think that's, um, that's mm-hmm. a, just an intangible asset to have. Sure. He could be, you know, he could be brought in as a coach later down the road, but I think it's different being a player than being a coach um, kind of being a well, player's I, coach.
1: Well, and igadala before clay went out was huge for us. Like, you know, the, the team started off really strong and I, I'd really wish Andre Iguodala got more credit for it because he was phenomenal at the beginning of the season. And then right around the time Clay was coming back, he was like hurt and never really came back, but man, he, he helped when he was healthy. So I think that's kind of what they're waiting for is like, you know, let's get through training camp and stuff and see how your body's feeling. And if you want to give it another go, because they, you know, they would rather throw a roster spot to Andre Iguodala knowing that if he's healthy, he can help. then, you know, taking another flyer on some 13th man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. hundred
1: percent. But you know, they're it's the Warriors. They're doing it all concurrently. They're totally trying to do all of these things at the same time. And that's how they've been successful, right? They got a lot of irons in the fire and whichever one seems to be the best fit gets pushed forward. You know, guys like Nico Mannion are not pushed forward, but you know, He's still around, you know, Yeah, actually. and you
0: know, when you, you use a late second round pick on that, that's what those are for. You know, the guy looks right. good. You give him a chance. Didn't work out. Okay. Maybe another time. Maybe it just wasn't mm-hmm. his time. You still got. Um, oh, shoot. What's his name? Justin uh, Justinian Jessup. Yeah. Know? He played summer league, you know, still doesn't look that good. Still looks pretty round. Oh, well, that's fine. Right. Looks right, amazing
1: you know, playing really. against Australia. <laughs> right so it's it's
0: hard it's hard you know draymond green talked a little bit about um players trying to stick in the nba and the difficulty Mm -hmm. and it's like you know he he had that quote like if you're there's only a couple of superstars on the team the way that you're going to stick in the league is to figure out your role and do it well yeah if you don't want to be a role player you're not going to make it so guys have Mm -hmm. to kind of understand and recognize the situation and opportunity and if you're not one of the lucky choice few players who would kind of the stars align and you end up kind of being a star of that team, then you got to embrace your role and and find something to be good at and productive that you can bring to your team night in, night out. Otherwise, you know, you're going to be in the G league or overseas or whatever. So it's not easy to make it in this league today.
1: Yeah. But I mean, that's the cool thing about where the warriors are at. Like they, you know, they, they have a lot of wiggle room here. They've got a, a really safe space for people to try and make it. And like, you know, that one of the things that uh, my, my high school basketball coach talked to me about is that, you know, when players tend to try out, they, they worked really hard and, you know, they, you only get the one chance to show up in a, you know, you get maybe a week of training camp or whatever, and there's the scrimmage games, eight minutes or whatever. So it's, it's really high pressure to sort of show up and play well, but to make the team, the The trick isn't to try and shine. It's just to try and play the best basketball you can. And sometimes that means that you're not like this preeminent shining example of like basketball acumen. But when it comes time, when the ball swings around your way, you're solid. And that's what the Warriors are looking for. And I think that uh, players at, at this level can do that a lot easier. You know, they, it, and this is like the Wiggins story, right? Like he didn't he didn't come in here with with high expectations for most people, but just having the the support system here, you know, he's no longer required to be the man. And, you know, there's sort of stuff happening. Like he doesn't need to start the conversation. He just hops in when he has something to say. On the basketball court, that's a great fit for guys like Andrew Wiggins and you'll see him shine.
0: Yeah, and didn't uh, make any demands, right? It's like all-star starter that he's struggling in the second half of the season post-all-star break. He wasn't asking for more shots he wasn't complaining that you know my teammates need to get me the ball he's like i'm just gonna continue doing on what i'm gonna do and and play both sides of the floor and and then you know things really unlocked for him when he realized he could rebound the ball (laughs) and when you're going out and going for 16 and 16 um you're gonna help your team win a lot of games
1: wagons yeah those dunks man oh great iconic Wiggins is just fantastic
0: better than uh the baron davis dunk the wiggins dunk over luca
1: uh i don't i'm not good at that stuff i don't know better um because that baron davis dunk it was you know there is a whole you know a whole franchise's worth of frustration in that one goddamn dunk. like that's true <laughs> i my they're, different. Life, they're different they're different yeah, well, because you know, my entire like, I sort of came to basketball consciousness in regards to the NBA during the Run TMC era. Like, my family was super casual fans. Like, you know, you're just as likely to run into a Bulls or a Lakers fan as you are a Warriors fan. But Run TMC was built as like really fun, like really, really rad, and like <laughs> they just weren't that good though. <laughs> like, okay. you know, they they I think they made the playoffs one year, but they they weren't like a serious contender. And then you know all the all the years in between, you know, Jesus, Speedy Claxton, bless his heart, Monte Ellis, you know, it, but finally, um, Dunn Levy, <laughs> Jesus, yeah, fun leaving, you know, the Troy Murphy year, all that stuff. It's just, you know, and then they knock out the number one seed Mavericks who had a fantastic, like one of the best seasons, uh, regular seasons ever, right? This is a powerhouse Mavericks team. They got yep. pretty soundly beat by our sorry ass see that, and then you know when Barrett comes out the next round, it's just ah. It was like yes, like let's go, Golden State Warriors, let's go. But uh, so anyway, so I don't I don't think anyone's ever going to overcome that. You know that's that's always a sort of very special. It's like comparing eras. Like I I don't know how good Will Chamberlain is, but he's damn good. <laughs> like
0: yeah, that's I, it's
1: the same thing. You know what I mean? Like I I'm not trying to prioritize or or order the the value of these ducks, but I will say that. Wiggins had more than one power dunk, and it was a much bigger, more important stage. Like, you know, him him coming out against uh, Luca, and like sort of shrugging him off. You know, Luca's like, "Oh, my face falling right. away," and Wiggins, Pwah! it was like a, just visceral and strong, and just like Baron Davis's, but unlike Baron Davis's, like it changed the tone of that series.
0: Right, so, everyone got- comes in saying that you know dallas is gonna mop us up and you know here mike mikhail bridges could barely keep luca in front what are we gonna do we can't stop him Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm.
1: blah, blah. yeah who's gonna guard luca and then it's like well wait who's gonna guard wiggins like it's kind of funny <laughs> it's kind of funny but like also for real like we were attacking luca and he was getting punished and a big part of that was wiggins man like when he cracks off those super athletic power dunks it's just like oh damn like wow we gotta deal with that too now you know and you could see the other team like sort of deflate from it like fuck you know they're killing us from outside now there's this guy now we got like power dunks happening on top of us like what are we gonna do about that yeah so i i would i i'm not gonna put them uh they, they both live on my mantle.
0: Yeah, all-time great moments in Warriors franchise history. With hopefully mm. more
1: to come, You're right? I'm sure there will be more. Like these guys are not done, man.
0: Let's see some more uh, Jordan Poole three-quarter courts threes to uh, close third quarters.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, what they they they're gonna they're gonna come out firing this year, and you know, establish base with some hungry rookies. Like, let's get it.
0: Cool, man. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Um, I'm already ready for for the NBA season to start. I know that we got some uh, some games in Japan. Yeah. Uh, when, when is that? Like October? Early next week, oh, really? September. Or sorry, yeah. Uh, well, both uh, September 30th and October 2nd, the Warriors and the Wizards are going to play in in Japan.
1: Okay. Yeah, uh, so-
0: and then October 9th against the Lakers at Chase, October 11th against Portland at Chase. That's right. going to be the key
1: season. Yeah, so basically October. This is this is the slowest month coming up here. Yeah. But uh, hey, at least people have a podcast to enjoy. Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and now we don't have to uh, talk about Kevin Durant anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> well i'm sure he's still gonna get time i mean he's one of the best five ten players in the league and will be until he probably retires just like lebron like you you're just so gifted that it it's gonna you're gonna matter
0: what that, a headache uh, to be a to be a nets fan
1: oh my god emotional roller coaster could you imagine if when when kd came to the warriors and we were like just giddy and everyone's like yeah you know, all, we
0: all, got pe- all right oh. it out of here we're good we got Harden. it's a lot oh no we lost Harden.
1: Oh, no. yeah not <laughs> <answer> <laughs> choosing not to play like oh no ah uh, well we've all been through trauma this is part of the fan experience i guess huh? yeah
0: we're, warriors uh og warriors fans know that know that all too well. So I don't feel I don't feel bad actually. This is this is the plight of NBA franchises. And uh it's why we savor this moment um and enjoy every game as much as we can because we know what it's like to be a perennial outside the playoff team with bad ownership that doesn't that mismanages the team and drafts good players and then trades them away at their peak value and gets nothing back nothing good back in return and just you know, it's a, uh, it's a tough life out there. So enjoy it when your team is good. Cause uh, nothing's guaranteed in the, in this NBA.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, Sam, good talking, man. Uh, yeah, you too. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks for jumping on the show, man. All right. Take care. Cheers. Cheers. Hey guys, real quick, before we sign off, for all you fantasy players out there, just a reminder that there is no such thing as the off season, only the pre-draft season. And here at Sports Ethos, the pre-draft season's already underway. So stop whatever you're doing, head to SportsEthos.com now, click on the premium tab, and grab your fantasy pass today. Seriously, just cook yourself one more lunch per month because it's only $5.99. And once again, this has been a We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a sports ethos presentation. If you haven't already, please go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Let's go, Dub Nation, and we'll catch you on the next one.